does biblical revival really look like? Well, you know, if you look at that word revive, it's made up of two parts. Vive, which means alive. Life, the vibe. And re, it means again. Now, let me, let me say something here that I really want to clear off a spot and get straight before we jump into this. You can't revive something that doesn't have the life. See, we have a lot of people that want to bring revival back to something that's never had life to begin with. You see, you see, you can't experience revival if you're still dead in your trespasses. See, now, revival is that there's just a little bit, there's a spirit of God in you, and it may be so quenched out, there's just a little ember burning. But there's got to be some life there, amen? See, we, we have a concept in Western Christianity, and it's this, that I want to rededicate things that have never been dedicated. Preach well, Pastor. <laughs> See, we, 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 we understand that we, we, we misconstrue church attendance and church membership with salvation and sanctification. And the two are so far apart, and we're trying to bring revival to something that's never had life to begin with. See, there's revivals and there's spiritual awakenings, and there is a world of difference in the two. Spiritual awakenings is when God just falls, His Holy Spirit settles in on a place, and people just begin to be uh, born again, born again, born again, giving their hearts to Him, giving their hearts to Him, giving their hearts to Him. I feel like this week, God gave me a, a sign of revival in my life. Last Sunday evening, we had a meeting with our consultant up in Columbia. Long story why we were there. And, and there was a pastor that I thought was at a church there. And, and I, so I called, and yes, he was there. And so I made the connection. He let us use his building for our meeting. And upon meeting him, um, we haven't seen each other in probably 10 years. And so, of course, it was some small talk there and one thing or another. And... and um, it, one thing led to another, and in the end of that conversation, well, in, in that, towards the end of it, I said, well, I said, Pastor, there's a lot of things different in my life than what they were last time I saw you. I said, I'm not nearly the same person that you used to know. And, and he told me, he said, Pastor, I want you to know something. There's a lot of people that may not have ever picked up the phone and called you. But there was a lot of people that was picking up a phone, standing up for you. Now, a long time has passed since the event that we were discussing. And, but what it was saying is, that's a little glimpse of revival. Where God begins to orchestrate and put people in your life and give you little glimpses that he's in control of things and he has the power and the ability to orchestrate and the ability to move even when you don't think God is moving. Can I tell you today on the authority of the word of God that though you may not see his hand, though you may not know what he's up to, God is moving. I mean, how many of you ever just walked outside and watched the world turn on its axis. But that baby's turning, isn't it? Sometimes 
doing something so big it can't be seen by the naked eye. And that begins to blow some flames of revival. What we are looking for is some biblical results of revival. And we've gone through the steps of what happened in the book of Ezra. But what does it look like in our life? Understand this. That revival can't be worked up in the flesh. It cannot be prayed down in the flesh. It can be prayed down in the spirit, grabbing hold of God. But you can have all the series of meetings you want to pray about something. But if all you have is your little Minnie Mouse prayers without a fervent, passionate prayer of grabbing hold to the horns of the altar of God, not much will happen. Revival comes when God, in His grace and His mercy, decides to send it. Revival comes when we cannot make it happen in the flesh, but we can be ready to see it happen. Revival comes... As Gypsy Smith said, when we draw a circle around ourselves, draw a circle on the floor and get in the middle of it and say, God, start right here. We're not going to have revival in a nation and revival in a church till we have revival in our soul. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that we are living in days in our country where we are seeing God pull his hand back. I mean, come on, church, we have unrestricted insanity, immorality, wickedness, brutalness, craziness, running rampant. I mean, you can give out books to your college students about Islam, about homosexuality, about everything in the world. But I saw a professor gave out a book of Andy Stanley wrote, and he was fired. Well, and the things that we are seeing just last, just yesterday, a police officer just assassinated while getting gas. I believe what we are seeing is the evidence of what it's like when God begins to withdraw his hand upon a nation. And you say, God, why don't you do something? Well, you remember an Old Testament prophet said the same thing. And God said, I did. I raised up the Chaldeans. I'm raising them up to come in and take over because you won't hear me. You won't yield to me. And God did exactly that. That was the front side. Now in the book of Ezra, we're over here on the back side of it when God begins to move again. I'm telling you today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that just because the ways seem drear, just because it seems overwhelming, it doesn't mean that God's taken his eye off of the objective. It doesn't mean that God's turned his back and he's gone on a faraway journey. God's got his eye on you. God's got his eye on you. Young people, God has got his eye upon you. And God wants to use you. So I want you to write these couple of things down on your sermon note card there. Biblical revival results from personal revival. Personal revival. Personal revival. I shared this testimony somewhere in the book of Ezra, but I'll share it again to make this point this morning. The greatest revival that I've ever had in my ministry, nobody was saved. Nobody was born again that whole week. But church members began to go to the banker 
and begin to pay off debts that they had quit paying. Going down to the local hardware store, paying off debts that they had decided they were not going to pay. They were going across the street and making things right with neighbors and, and marriages were being reconciled and relationships were being reconciled. That is biblical revival. And I'll tell you today, as is, 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 uh, G. Campbell Morgan said, we may not know when it's going to blow, but bless God, let's have our sail in the air that when the Holy Spirit revival begins to blow across a place, you're not over there trying to get it up in the air. It's already up and the breath of God begins to blow and drive our little vessel wherever he wants to go. I'm telling you today that God's not looking for the strength of warriors. He's not looking for the strength of big armies. He's looking for men and women, boys and girls to rise up at their school, at the playground, on the basketball court, on the football field. He's looking for moms and dads to rise up in the home. He's looking for business owners to rise up in the home. He's looking for educators to rise up in the schoolhouse. He's looking for students to begin to make a difference with a personal revival blowing in their life. You see, we think revival can only happen in a corporate fashion. But revival will only happen in a corporate fashion when it happens in a personal way. When God begins to move in our life in a personal way, that begins to spill over in a mighty way. Biblical results is unique. In chapter 10 and verse 1, Ezra confessed. He was weeping. He was falling down on his face in the house of God. The people were weeping. Verse 2 it says they confessed that they had been unfaithful to God, but they said there's still hope. You see, he prayed, he confessed sin, he was broken, he humbled himself before God. But not only does biblical result in personal biblical revival result in personal revival, biblical revival results in hope. Look at what they said at the end of verse two. But there's still hope. Wow. What a week it has been, a couple of weeks it's been in our nation, in our state, in our city, in our town, in our churches. With this sweeping controversy of the Ashley Madison life short have an affair concept where they breached this secure information, hacked it and began to disperse the list all over the United States. Just this week, people were exposed in our own city that were doctors, that were lawyers, that were professionals, that were business owners, that were pastors, that were leaders in, in denominations. Just this week, things have begun to unfold in a magnitude. And you know what? Just this week, some people began to take their lives because they felt like there was no hope. What I want you to realize is that the children of Israel felt like there was no hope. They were in bondage for over 70 years and then God sent them out. And then it was 70 years later before revival came. But my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know that there was never no hope. Hope was never far away. Hope was never gone on a journey because the Bible says in Jeremiah, the same one that made a prophet that they were going into bondage, he made a prophecy. Here's what it says. God said, I know the plan that I have for you to give you a hope and a future say it with me to give you a hope and a future now he was sending them off into bondage but he said there's still hope 
And I want you to know today that you may have fallen short of the grace of God. You may have fallen short of the expectations of God, of your spouse, of your your co-workers, your, your employees, your children. But I'm telling you that the mercy of God is chasing after you with the hound dogs of hell. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I am telling you that biblical revival, when it begins to move, results in hope. I love what the old hymn writer said. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hope. You may seem like hope is lost. You may watch the news and feel hopeless. But you ought to read the headline. I wonder today how many of you think that this word is without error. I wonder how many of you think that this word is God-breathed. I wonder how many of you think that this word will live forever. I wonder how many of you read it every day. If we believe it, if we believe that it's the breath of God, if we believe that it's God's letter for us in perilous days, then shouldn't we submerge ourselves in the hope of the gospel? I'm telling you, there's a lot of negative stuff in this book, but I am telling you that there is more positive, and when that positive connects with that negativity in our life, all of us... Ooh, mercy. When the when the negativity of man connects with the positivity of God, something's going to crank up, amen? Because there's going to be some power in the house. But those two have to come together. See, if we want to keep our, our shortcomings, if we want to hide our sins, if we want to hide our failures, if we want to hide our weaknesses and put them in that secret place and not allow them to be exposed, And we will never see the power of God in our life. You see, biblical revival results in hope when brokenness all because brokenness always precedes hope. Do you know if there was no brokenness, there would be no need for hope? And hope does not disappoint. Think about that. If you had never been broken, if you had never been broken, you would have no need for hope. I'm telling you, if I'd have never came to Witsy and Corner when my life was a wreck when I didn't feel like I could take a one more step, if I never got to the place. Listen, I was at a place in my life where I was so physically and emotionally drained that my body felt like it was shutting down. I felt like I was having heart attacks, but I am telling you, it never expelled hope. Biblical brokenness always precedes biblical hope. Hope results when you discover that you can no longer run from God. You know why I believe a lot of this stuff was exposed with Ashley Madison. And some people say, well, because some of the users of it was mad because they wouldn't change some things and this and that. So they said they was going to expose it. I'll tell you why I believe and I have a right to be wrong and you do too. So we'll just see, let God start it all out when we get to heaven. But I believe there were children of God that were caught up in an immoral lifestyle. And God loved them so much that he revealed it to heal them. See, a lot of times we can never have God's life, God's life's plan fulfilled for us until some things get right with God. I love what I love what one of the Old Testament prophets wrote. 
talking about the nation of Israel, he said he first sent the moth. You know, a moth will, you don't even know it until you get out and you, somebody says, there's a hole in your shirt, there's a hole in your jacket. And you know the things about moths is they don't eat cheap suits. Uh, they got good taste. I mean, I have never had a, a cheap suit go to, to demise at the hands of moths. And, and nevertheless, he says, I'll send the moth to deal with you. And if that doesn't happen, if you don't listen to the moth, he says, I'll go to the next step. And if you don't listen to that, then I'll send the lion. And I'm going to tell you something. God loves you so much that sometimes he wants us to get to the end of ourself so we can get to the fullness of God and his plan for our life. The greatest tragedy in the whole world is that you live your whole life and never fulfill the plan and purpose that God created you for. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? That you, that you allowed circumstances, that you allowed people, that you allowed location. And that you just said, God, if I ever get to the place, if I could ever got to the place. Listen, you're always at the place. Oh, let me move on. Biblical revival, the third thing, results in radical decisions. Look with me, if you would, at verse 3. Therefore, they said, let us make a covenant before our God to send away all the foreign wives and their children. Now, a lot of these were just concubines, mistresses that they had let us send them away according to the counsel of my Lord and all those who tremble at the commandment of our God let it be done according to your law get up get up he says in verse 4 for this matter is your responsibility and we support you be strong and take action then Ezra got up and made a leading priest and Levites and all of Israel take an oath. And here's what they said. They said that we will obey God and not man. See, biblical revival results in radical decisions. Not a... The divorce, you say, well, that's the answer. Then I just need to go home and divorce my spouse. They're keeping me from serving God. Well, if you go to the New Testament... And you camp out in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you'll realize that's no longer the solution in the New Testament. You'll realize that Jesus Christ made a way for marriages to be reconciled. That things would be made right with God. In the New Testament application, turn with me or look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 27. It's an awesome passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 5. When you look at that, it begins to... Put things in a new perspective. It says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in her heart has already committed adultery. If your right eye causes you to sin, then gouge it out, throw it, take it away, for it is better to lose one eye and one part of your body than to lose the whole body and be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better to lose one of the parts of your body than to lose your whole body in hell. What is that saying? Preacher, you're wanting us to, to, to divorce our wives, gouge our eyes out, and cut a hand off. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus said there's a better way. Come run to the mercy seat. Come run to the mercy seat. See, we want to look at these guys in the Old Testament and say, oh, boy, it's bad. We want to look at these guys that was exposed on 
Ashley Madison's website this week and say, oh, my God, they're horrible people. They ought to be kicked out of the church. They ought to be done all this. No, listen, they ought to be, they ought to be accepted by the church. If everybody is kicked out of the church or if they've ever had one lossful thought, I'm telling you, you can't hardly turn your television on without lusting. You say, I know my husband looks at all those half-naked billboards and models and all of that. I mean, if you've ever read one romance novel and got captivated in the lust of that, let me move on. Biblical, but here's a concept, that biblical revival results in radical decisions that bring about Biblical separation. God is speaking to our heart. God is speaking to our heart in a unique way. And he's wanting to do something interesting in our life. All you young people, the thing that God is wanting to do most in your life is to get you to the point that you're willing to make that radical decision. You may say, why is it that only... Pastors make, have to make the radical decisions. I ask myself that question a lot. Why, why, do I, why, is, why is pastors the only one that has to make the radical decision? Why are they the only ones, people in vocational ministry, why are they the only ones that have to make the decision to, 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 to work for less, to say where God wants them or something of that nature, you know? I mean, in, in, the, in, the, in the church world, it's like God puts people there. He puts people in the body, and then the first moment they're gone. We begin to run for whatever. And what God is saying in a unique way in our life is that he wants us all to make radical decisions to be where he wants us to be. Amen. And then biblical revival results in separation. I won't spend much time there because I preached that sucker up one side and down the other last week. Literally down into the floor. Amen. But last thing, biblical revival results in a reminder of personal responsibility. I want to show you the end of this chapter. I didn't read it last week because I'm terrible. I'm terrible at English. If you've ever listened to me anytime, you know that. I told my daughters this week, they were in high school now and things were changing drastically in their life and their academic studies. And I said, well, there's one subject that I tell you you need to get. One subject in high school, English 1, 2, 3, and 4, because you'll use that dude the rest of your life. But when you go to verse 18, all the way through verse 43, it's nothing but a list of names. How many of you skip the names when you're reading about the Bible? Thank you for a couple of honest people. Just, oh, that's just names. It doesn't mean anything, especially when you get to a list of genealogies. <clears throat> Let me read this verse, and I want to come back to this name. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or whether it's worthless. Therefore, because we know that the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people we are completely open before God, and I hope that we are completely open to your conscience. You know why it's important that those names are in there, even though I haven't really read over that list many times? 
Because each one of those people stood up and said, I take personal responsibility. If you go to the beginning of the book of Ezra, they say, I take personal responsibility to go back and rebuild the temple. If you go back to the end of the book, they say, I take personal responsibility to separate myself from everything in the world that would separate me from God, that I might experience a personal revival. And when these men began to take personal responsibility, personal revival began to break out. You see, don't quit looking, quit looking to the corporate body and start looking inward. Quit looking to the White House, quit looking to TBN to bring revival, it's not going to happen. I mean, quit looking to, quit looking, I mean, just quit looking to the podcast to bring revival. Now, they may be instruments that cause you to look inwardly to bring about revival, but they will not. Revival happens when we take personal responsibility. The first and the last are linked together like Siamese twins. You can't separate them. You cannot separate revival from personal responsibility. When there's personal responsibility, there will be personal revival. Now, I want to say something to those of you at home. Some of you watch every week, and we appreciate it. But you don't go to church because somebody offended you. And you just figure, I can stay at home, and it's safe, and I won't get my feelings hurt, and nobody will take my spot, nobody will call on me to read, nobody will ask me to pray out loud, nobody will do these things. But I am telling you that God wants you to have a personal revival and then take that personal revival and begin to infect a church somewhere for the glory of God. It hurt when they beat him. It hurt when they nailed him to the cross. It hurt his feelings when he was naked before the whole world. It hurt, it hurt, it hurt. But all the hurt brings about victory. God never wastes one. And for those of us in the house today, God is wanting us to get to the place where we can have personal responsibility. I wonder if revival broke out at Family of Grace Church. I mean, we're having good church. We're, man, this is one of the greatest summers we've had. But I wonder, we're a long ways from biblical revival. But I wonder if biblical revival broke out, would your name be listed among them that paid the price to make it happen? Would my name be listed that I paid the price? What do you have to do to get it there? Get to an altar, get on your knees where you are, and just say, God, start right here. Start right here. Lord, I want to fall in love with you all over.